Our reading today is from John chapter 13, starting with verse 21. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought it wa- some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him to himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. This is the word of the Lord. The difficulty we have right now is that we're reading a rather familiar story. But it's a story just dripping with passion. In fact, this is beginning of what's called the Passion of Jesus, the last discourse, his last night with his disciples. John, the gospel writer, who was a young man and a young disciple at the time this happened, tells in about three or four chapters what the other disciples, other gospels tell in just a few verses. He's now an old man, perhaps, when he's written this, or much older, and he's reflecting on this night and remembering all the things which Jesus has said. It's a story just dripping with passion. I was trying to figure out, how can I get you to think about this? Well, I enjoyed having breakfast yesterday with Greg, and I found that he and I both share an interest in literature. And I know none of you guys read, but I'm glad that Greg and I at least like to read, you know. And one of the things you can love about books 
is that they can draw you into this story. And when you don't know how it's going to come out, you start to care about these characters, and you begin to see it. And when you first read the Harry Potter book, you didn't know that he looked like that guy who's the actor, right? Or when you first read Anna Karenina, you didn't know she looked like Kira Knightley, you know, whatever, that sort of thing. I, I, one, of the, one of the things I thought about is there, before the, the movie Shawshank Redemption was a movie, it was a story, a short story written by, of all things, Stephen King, the horror writer, uh, a, and he wrote that short story. And, and in that story, if you've seen or seen the movie or read the book, you know that there's late in the movie, you know that Andy Dufresne is very worked up. And Red, his friend, is very worried about him. And, he, and they're talking to one another. And Red says to his friend, I don't, what's up with, with Andrew? That around the, I'm pointing at you because they're around the table eating. And, and, and he says, I'm really worried about him. And the guy there across, what does he say? I gave him a rope tonight. He asked me for a rope. Do any of you remember this? And so I think, oh, no, so that this long night, Red says it was the longest night of my life. And in the movie, they show him Andy Dufresne sitting on the bed. And if you have not seen the movie, when you're watching that, you think, oh, no, that's what's happening in John 13. It's that kind of a story. It's gripping what's going on. Or later, also yesterday, I had a chance to hang out with Kevin. And Kevin and I share this interest in baseball, which is another thing that a lot of people think is no fun anymore. So it's just nice to talk to somebody who enjoys baseball. I mean, I like all sports, but I have to say there's one I like best, and it's baseball. And uh, in, 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 uh, in, in football and basketball, the action happens so fast. You know, there's lots of drama and tension, but it's just over with quick. Not in baseball. And that's its beauty, isn't it, right? Help me, Kevin. Give me at least a, yeah, I got it. That's its beauty. You, you know, I, I couldn't help it. I had to watch the World Baseball Classic games last night, and, and I just had to um, because I've been looking for baseball for a lot of months now, you know. And, uh, and, and you know, there's, a, there's moments that it's just, it's agonizing as you know good or bad is going to happen soon, but it won't happen right now. He steps off the mound, you know. The guy steps out. It calls time out. So it reminded me of something that's hanging in my wall in my office at home. When I left, w- went from one the church to the next about 10 years ago or so, they gave me a gift. I'd been there for 12 or 13 years, and they gave to me a really appropriate gift. It's a picture, a large frame picture of the World Series championship in 2001. You know, so there's the, that, and there's several pictures, Kurt Schilling assigned things, and on it, too, is a little scorecard, and I love to keep score at a ball game. And I was looking at that this, mo- this morning as I was thinking about this, trying to remember. Do you remember what happened? Kurt Schilling had been pitching, and they were up one to nothing, and then suddenly Rafael Soriano in the eighth inning hits a home run, and it's two to one, and oh no, Mariano Rivera's going to come up. He's never get scored on. And you watch that, and sure enough, Mariano goes right through the lineup the first time through, but now it's the ninth inning, and Randy Johnson has come in. He just pitched yesterday. Any of you with me on this? <laughs> Kevin? I know you're not from Arizona, but you remember. And then up comes to bat Mark Grace, leading off the bottom of the ninth inning, down two to one. And right away, Mark Grace gets a hit down the line. That's a big deal, but you don't know what's going to happen. And then a few batters later, um, up comes Tony Womack, who hits a double. You remember? You're a baseball fan too, right? You got... Oh, my goodness, you're waiting. You're just, I'm sitting there with my wife at home watching this. Oh, and the drama is happening. 
Okay. I've used that story enough. I could talk about that for quite a while, but that was just beautiful. To me, it wasn't the little thing, so-called hit of Luis Gonzalez. It was the single of Mark Grace, and it was the double of Tony Womack, which said the game is tied. Now I knew, okay, a lot was done. Okay, anyway, that's what's going on in this story. It's that kind of, it's dripping with passion. And John is creating this beautiful story about Jesus' last night. And uh, it's just magnificent to me. In the middle of it, in the 34th verse, Jesus says to them, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. These are among Jesus's most famous words, but they occur in the context of a story. And let's ask ourselves a question. What can we learn about how Jesus loves us in this story? What can we learn about how Jesus loved us in this story? And I just want to quickly give you a few things as we sort of make our way through this story. It's a little bit different talk than I normally do, but I just, I just love the way John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has crafted this story. The first thing that we see, and you can jot these down in your message notes, is how did, the question is, how did Jesus show his love? What can we learn about how Jesus loved us? How, what can we learn about how to love as Jesus loved? The first thing we see is that Jesus loved John by sharing his heart. Jesus loved John by sharing his heart. Verses 21 to 26. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. Think about that. Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The Bible tells us that Jesus had known who it would be, but here he knows it's coming. It's time. It's the day of the delivery of your baby. (laughs) It's happening. I remember when our first child was born on a Saturday, the day before Easter, 1984. Donna woke me up about 5 in the morning. I think it's going. We go into the hospital about 7.30 that morning, 7.30 or so that morning. We're sitting there, and she's having these contractions. We've not, it's our first child. And I, I remember having this moment of panic, think. Time out. <laughs> I changed my mind. You know, <laughs> it's gonna happen one way or the next. And sure enough, five. Didn't you remember? Maybe not the girls, but the guys. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my goodness, this is real. This is when it was really real. He was troubled in his spirit. One of you will betray me. The disciples pictured the scene. They looked at one another. They looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table close to Jesus. Put the Leonardo da Vinci paper out of your picture, out of your mind. They, didn't, they weren't all just, you know, it's like line up here for the picture. <laughs> he said, you know, we're all face the camera. They were around together, okay? And when they had these special meals, they would often sit for regular meals, but when they'd have special meals, they would recline, which means they would lean on their left shoulder like this, with their feet out like that, all right? They'd lean out. They'd, that, that was the way it was, it was a sign of ease, a sign of being um, not in a hurry, right? A sign of wealth. And that's for these special meals they would do that. So the, the scripture says to us uh, that one of his disciples whom Jesus loves were reclining at table close to Jesus. Now what we discover at the end of this book is that that disciple who's not named here is the disciple who wrote this book. So he's John. Tradition is that he was probably the youngest disciple. 
Some think that he was probably a teenager, not out of his teens when he was a disciple. We don't know all these things for sure, but he was the young one, right? And he always refers to himself in this book as the, the disciple Jesus loved, okay? And he was leaning next to Jesus, all right? And so they hear this, and there's lots of drama around the table. So verse 24, so Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. Now he motioned to him. So Peter's probably sitting across the table. You know, he get the, see the story. Do you see it? He didn't say anything. You know? He's trying to communicate. Kevin's a little dense. He doesn't get what I'm trying to say, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, he, he asked him who it is, basically. So that disciple leaning back against Jesus. See the intimacy that? Leaning back. Again. They're all laying down. You're all kind of reclining. Leaning back against Jesus said to him, Lord, who is it? It's probably a whisper. I mean, Peter didn't say, ask him who it is. So John probably didn't say, Lord, who is it? You know, it's quiet. So John, and Jesus, when he answers, probably answers only John. It's the one to whom I give this morsel of food when I have dipped it. So when he dipped it, he gave it to Judah. So see the beautiful picture of intimacy here? How did Jesus show his love for John? Jesus loved John by sharing his heart. And that's representative of all the disciples. But he loved him by saying, oh, I'm so troubled. One of you is going to betray me. And then he says to John, it's the one to whom I give the morsel once I've dipped it. Jesus loved John by sharing his heart. So if we want to love like Jesus, we need to take the time to share the truth about us. Let's be honest. Many of us never share the truth about us. We're lonely. We're afraid. We're stuck. We're struggling. Our relationship is going awful. Our home is in the tubes. Our, you know, the truth. Love involves being vulnerable. And Jesus was being vulnerable, wasn't he? I'm troubled. One of my friends here is going to betray me. And then he says to John, it's, this, it's, it's that one. Jesus loved John by sharing his heart. The second thing that we see in this story, Jesus loved Judas. I thought so much. I thought about it last week, and I'm thinking about it again this week. Jesus loved Judas. How did he show his love for Judas? Oh, it's, it's subtle, but it's in here so clearly. So it says in the following verses, so when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered him. Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. No one at the table knew why he had said this to him. No one knew. They didn't realize it at all. Some thought that because Jesus had the money bag, he was, uh, he was telling them, buy what we need for the feast, for that, or that he should give something to the poor. These were things that they did, and the feast was coming up. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. You did a great job of reading that today. Oh, it's beautiful. John wastes no words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was nothing made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. John 1, 1 through 4. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Jesus is light. And Jesus comes and later on says, I am the light of the world. And he comes and gives light to men who are blind. Now here's Judas. He walks out and John says, and it was night. Jesus is, John is recognizing that this is the time of night when Jesus is going to walk into that darkness following after Judas. How did Jesus show his love for Judas? Well, I, it's really complicated to think through, and there's a lot that we don't know about how all this, and anybody who says they got it, they know exactly what happened in the heart of Judas, it's all speculation. We're not told. But Jesus, the thing that is beautiful about this, and I just want you to see, is that when Jesus dipped the morsel of bread into what is it, whether it's olive oil or something that's there on the fruit table that's there, and gives it to him, that was a an act that they understood. They understood. It doesn't mean a lot to you or to me, but they understood this. Listen to what F.F. F. Bruce in his commentary about John says. He says, For the host or master of the feast, as Jesus was on this occasion, to offer one of the guests a particularly appetizing morsel was a mark of special favor. Now think about that. Jesus is giving a special, it almost makes me weep to think about it, a special mark of his favor into the hands of the one who will betray him. That's how much Jesus loved Judas. If Jesus loves Judas that much, think how much he must love you. You cannot do worse than Judas did. It's impossible. But he offered to the one who would hand him over that night. And I think there was an invitation in that as well, saying, Judas, I know what's going on, but you can say no. <laughs> I offer you my love. And the Bible says, after he'd taken the morsel, so you know, you can see in someone's eyes what's going on. It was over. Satan entered him, you know, whatever that means, the decision. You know how the sin you do that you think about is usually preceded by many other disobediences along the way. Have you noticed that? It's not, it's the final act we think about, but it's usually before. You know, it's when we turn the TV on when we shouldn't have turned it on. That's what got us into trouble. It's when we drive to the place we shouldn't have driven. It's when we make the left turn instead of the right turn. Long before, and this is when it happened for Judas. Judas had the opportunity, but he walked out. He just had Jesus wash his feet. He just enjoyed a meal with Jesus. He just received the morsel of honor. But in his mind, he couldn't say no to that which had controlled him. But that's not talk about Jesus. Judas. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus, Jews, <laughs> too many words with J's in them. Jesus loved Judas by sharing his bread sharing his bread. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. So if we want to love like Jesus, boy, oh boy, <laughs> be careful what you say about your enemy. 
We have different opinions, don't we? We have different political opinions. We have different sports opinions. We have opinions about everything. But we always are responsible for how we, do, how we show love to people. That's always important. Jesus shared his bread with his enemy, his, with Judas. Well, thirdly, I have to go quickly. Jesus, the third thing is Jesus loved his disciples. And this is where we see the crux of this story. So Judas goes out and it was night. I'm skipping down to verse 34 because I'll come back to that. He says to them, a new commandment I give to you. Judas has walked out now, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus uses a very intimate term here when he speaks to them. My version says, verse 33, little children, little children. John the gospel writer is the only guy who uses this word technia, techno, little children, my children. He also uses it in the book of 1 John, but that's the only place that happens in the New Testament. When he wrote a later book as an old man, he'd say, my little children. But he's saying now that Jesus said that to his friends, little children, he's saying to them. Jesus loved his disciples by sharing his command to love one another. He's saying, as you've seen me love you go love. Love one another. Love others. Little children, love one another. As I have loved you, you also love one another. Verse 36, then. Um, Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? Peter, do you identify with Peter? I mean, he didn't even hear the love one another part. He heard verse 33. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me and you will... You will not be able to find me. Where I'm going, you cannot come. But love one another. Oh, well, Lord, where did you say you were going again? Where are you going? I don't understand, you know. I love that about Peter. He, uh, uh, so, but, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Oh, so much I'd love to say. Well, what we find is that Peter's a very important character in the closing chapters of John, we see his denial later on. We see his reinstatement in John chapter 21 when he invites him to follow. So Jesus basically saying, Peter, someday you will follow me in my death, but not now. Right now, this is a path only I can trod. And Peter says, Lord, we will lay down. I, why can I not follow you now? It sounds whining, doesn't it? Why can I not follow you now? You know, I will lay down my life for you. Oh, how that must have put a knife in Jesus' heart because he knew Peter really meant it, but he was totally wrong, right? And uh, Jesus said, will you lay down your life for me? I tell you, truly, before the night ends, you will deny me three times, Peter, if you only knew. The one who's laying down his life tonight is not you. It's me. I am laying my life down for you. You can't go there yet. Someday you will lay down your life for me. Today is not that day. You're going to deny you ever knew me tonight. Uh, Jesus loved Peter by sharing his future, by showing him the future. Peter was unable to truly follow Jesus and take up his own cross until after he had failed Jesus. And it's so important for us to remember that for Peter, his greatest failure was his greatest blessing. 
for us, a lot of times, we look at our failures and think, oh, my goodness, I can never be used by God again. No. Peter's a good example of someone who really messed up royal, but God used his mess up, and Jesus loved Peter even though he was going to deny him. I'll go back now to verses 31 to 33 where Jesus says, and this is the final thing, Jesus loved God by showing his glory, by showing his glory. When verse 31, when he had gone out, Jesus said now, it's like when, when Judas goes out, it's like now Jesus, he's, he's, he knows he's only got a few hours. He wants to talk to them, say everything he can. And he says, now is the Son of Man glorified. Look at the word glory or glorified. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify himself and glorify him at once five times. This idea of glory. What was the glory of God? The glory of God was when God in the flesh laid down his life for a rebellious Judas, for rebellious Peter, for misunderstanding disciples, for, yea, the whole world. That was the glory of God. God was glorified when he was raised up ingloriously in front of all humanity. When God the Father judged God the Son so that you and I could go free. You, Judas, can go free. You, Peter, can go free. You, disciples, can go free. You, Steve, can go free. You, yes, every one of us can go free. Jesus loved God by following God and gloriously following him through the cross and into the resurrection. So how do we love like Jesus loved? Well, we see it in this story. We see Jesus loving John. We see Jesus loving Peter. We see Jesus loving the, uh, the disciples. We see Jesus loving Judas. The last question to ask myself is, am I willing to receive Jesus' love for me? Am I willing to receive his love for me? I hope your answer to that question is yes. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, Thank you for showing to us your love. You said that we should love others the way you have loved us. And we confess that all too often the church has not been known for its love. Maybe because we've never sat at this table where Jesus gives love to the guy who's going to betray him, to the young man sitting next to him, to the clueless disciples around him, and the guy who's going to deny him. And he walks through that night into the darkness of that day and he gives his life for us. We're so thankful, Father. Help us to reflect on the gospel of your love and then go out and share it with our neighbor, with our friend, with all who we come in contact with in Jesus' name.